This is Flyperbole with Steve Jacot and Craig Forsyth. Two guys who know that the NHL's only solution for the Stanley Cup final is to just hold it at Rizzo Rink. It's good enough for the Mites on Ice. It's good enough for the NHL. Come on. Craig, my initial thought tonight was that I was going to do the old fly Perbole challenge and try to see. Remember when we did the Irishman challenge a, a few months back? Yes. And to see if what would go longer, watching the Irishman on Netflix or a fly Perbole episode. Yeah. And I don't think I ended up doing that, but it ended up being closer in theory for that episode. Than it, should have been. <laughs> it sounds about right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted to do that with the first round of the NFL draft tonight, but unfortunately we started later. We waited until the Eagles made their pick to go. And then on top of that, we, we had a couple technical issues that we've now smoothed out and we're good to go, but they're at pick 25, but at the same time, you know, I think it's going to be close. It's going to be a photo finish because the NFL is taking their good, sweet time. Oh with yeah. This draft. Yeah, they're really milking all these picks, and uh, I mean, it is us, so there's a chance we still may outlast this draft, but I, I don't know. Six picks? I, I, I think I think the draft still might beat us out. I don't know. We'll find out. It'll be, it's going to be a photo finish. That's all I know. <laughs> it's going to be close. It's going to be close for sure. And the NFL is like, you can tell they're really, it's painfully obvious that they know they're the only sports game in town. It's all that's going on, and they're oh, they they know it. They're gonna drag this sucker out as much as possible. Get them those juicy ratings. Yeah, I really don't. I mean, this is uh, this is I'm watching somewhat live sports on my television, so I'm not gonna complain too much because I do. It's nice to see these moving pictures. They're new to me. Uh, they're not reruns of old games or episodes of TV shows I've watched a million times. So it's nice. It's nice. That's all I'll say. I'm losing my mind. So it's nice to see some some kind of semblance <laughs> of sports. Yeah. My favorite thing about this has been getting the inside look at everybody's home offices because <laughs> they, they can't film in the stadium with everybody present in the same space. So they're getting, they have cameras in everybody's home office. And like you saw Doug Peterson, Doug Peterson from the Eagles has this like very fatherly study. Yeah. Like, I'll see you in my study kind of thing. And I think his son was down there, right? Like just like yeah. seeing what dad was doing at work. Yeah. Yeah. I think the, the Dolphins GM had his kids just hanging out in the office. <laughs> like, <laughs> some of these are great. My, my favorite one though, had to be the Giants general manager, Dave Gettleman, who is a, a moron, but pretty Gettleman, good. Yeah, he's really good at his job. Yeah. Really good at his job. And Gettleman, there were a lot of jokes before we saw his inside, his setup about like him using, like, I think I saw one on Twitter about like using an abacus or something. And <laughs> they went, they, <laughs> They went over to Gettleman, and he's sitting in front of this, like, 60-inch TV. He's just got his phone. He doesn't have a computer anywhere to be found. He has another TV, like a 30-inch TV, to his right. And, like, he's sitting right in front of the 60-inch TV, though. Like, if you're in the front row at a movie theater, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know what the hell's going on here. It made – the setup made zero it, sense to me. It, yeah, but, I mean, it feels very uh, Dave Gettleman-esque. It feels like something he would do. Just get super close to a big-ass TV for no reason. Really wants to get into that draft pick analysis. Make sure he's making the right pick. He's going to get closer to the, the TV. Wrong franchise quarterback. <laughs> 
I, I still feel, again, I don't know any of these names besides the receivers the Eagles were supposed to possibly take. And uh, I think he took the wrong guy, apparently, at four is what it sounds like. It sounds like there were a couple other names he should have taken at offensive tackle, and he, he took the wrong one. So I'm sure that is not right, but we'll find out. <laughs> you, not good. So you were saying to me pre-show, you, your favorite thing is these bored families in the room. Like, oh, my God, players, yeah. Some of the players are celebrating and really happy, but there's definitely been some people that just look bored out of their mind. I, yeah, there was. Uh, I think one of the guys I was watching was. Uh, I think the Jag. Yeah, the Jags went right before the Eagles, and there was somebody on that guy's couch, who like it looked like, it, it looked like she was being dragged to like family reunion. She didn't want to be too, or like some of these like some of these guys like brothers were on the couch and they're just like zoned out, like not paying attention to anything. And it's like you're how did you like family members about to make a gajillion dollars? I feel like you should be a little bit excited about that, a little bit of emotion. <laughs> With Just everybody in the country watching, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> She's the weirdest draft ever, obviously. For, I mean, you know, but still, I feel like it, we should be getting a, should be a little more hyped. It is like a super weird draft, but again, it is something sports-wise, and I, I think we're all just sitting here trying to figure out how to keep ourselves occupied throughout the day. I mean, I, I actually am just starting a, a Wire rewatch. Oh baby, I've only watched through the Wire the one time, so. I'm really interested to see how it is second time around. I mean, obviously it's one of the best shows of all time, but you know, knowing what's coming and being able to observe and all that, it's, I'm excited for that. Greg, what are you watching right now? I just recently started watching the Sopranos. I'm about seven apps in. I'm thinking it's a pretty good TV show. Is that your, your first watch through? Oh well, yeah, of course it is. Yeah, I don't. Damn. I still, yeah, I still need to. I gotta get through this. And I gotta get through the wire. I gotta, I gotta watch TV pretty much during this whole quarantine thing. I gotta catch up on everything. You know this. I'm very excited but, for you to learn the glory that is Polly Walnuts. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I'm pretty excited too. So, uh, but yeah, it looks pretty good. I think I'll keep watching it. It's got me hooked. It's. Uh, I like the story so far, and uh, seems like it's a good TV show. Only gets better too. So that's my that's my that's my hard hitting analysis. Just like seven apps in. Nice. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's all I got. That's, that's what I've got. been doing. And now, you ready for this, Steve? We're watching this draft, the NFL draft, and they're doing it uh, virtually or you know, remotely. And I think, uh, I mean, that was a big topic of discussion this week for the uh, the NHL as they were talking about uh, what to do with the draft in June. And speaking of that, I was going to run through all the updates I've seen this week regarding the league and unpausing play and also uh, the draft and everything and yada, yada, yada. So we got updates. We got updates and that's the, that's the majority of the show. So the team is kicking around the idea of keeping the uh, the draft in June. Uh, Elliot Friedman reports Elliot Friedman of Sportsnet. Everybody knows him. Uh, some of the issues the league might run into, though, are uh, conditional picks that are usually given out based on the uh, final standings after the postseason. May I mean those are going to have to be decided how they're going to be dealt out uh, if the league is still going if the postseason has not started yet and this pause is still going on and then they do actually play they have to figure out how those picks will be handed out um, playoff teams this is a big one to me uh, playoff teams would be unable to trade away with players they want for picks uh, so if you had you know if you're a bad team that wants to get a contract off the books you, teams usually do that at the draft. Or if you want to move up in the draft, and you're a team that's in the postseason or was in the postseason before, you can usually trade roster players to move up. Whatever. 
playoff teams aren't going to be able to trade players that are on their roster because they still need, they're still under contract. And they're going to play on that team for the rest of the regular season or the postseason. So they would be at a huge disadvantage for this uh, if they don't figure out a way to work around that. I think that's a huge disadvantage for good teams in this draft, if that's an actual thing. Or literally any team in this draft that is trying to make – I mean, the draft is one of the biggest days of the year for roster, like players to be moved. Yeah, uh, and it's as a fan, it's easily my the thing oh, yeah. I'm looking for the most at the draft is I'm looking for trades. That's my favorite part of the draft. Yeah, and you know we're watching the NFL draft right now, and most normal people know a good chunk of the guys that are going to go in the first round tonight. Not really the same for the NHL. The big appeal, like you said, for the NHL is just actual NHL players getting moved that we know. So if they do it in June and the season we know is going to resume in July, this I feel like nothing is going to happen with. I feel like nothing's going to happen with that uh, setup. And then um, the last one they talked about was uh, a couple weeks ago, they talked about the idea of possibly expanding the playoff picture to 24 teams. So then they could skip the rest of the regular season and nobody's feelings would get hurt. I guess that was the whole thing. And then, so they threw out the idea, somebody at uh, one of these meetings threw out the idea of if they expand the postseason, one of the teams that was one of the final eight to be added in somehow wins the draft lottery and then they go on and win the Stanley Cup. That would mean a team was awarded the first overall pick, and then two months later ended up winning the Stanley Cup. That would kind of make the league look a little unprofessional, I guess, or a little dumb. Like it, it's a situation that shouldn't be happening, ideally. And um, that is a possibility that if they do decide to go with that other plan, which I don't really think is going to happen, I think, based on what they're talking about now, I don't think that's going to be an issue. But still, the draft in June, I think, is still... It can still happen, as we're seeing right now, but I don't know. With a couple of these issues, I don't know how they're going to be able to iron that out midseason. It's not the worst idea, but... It's not the it, worst. It doesn't... I don't know. I don't see any reason that if you do a summertime playoff and then you come back and like you take like September off or something, and yeah. you can't just do the draft then. Because I, I don't know. I don't know. It seems like something you can squeeze in, and it doesn't really seem like something we need to put in June because that's when it's done. I agree. Uh, and I think the, I, the big thing, too, is I, I guess they're worried about the potential of a player that is going to – because we're, we're talking about just the NHL timeline for when they'll return the action. We don't know when other leagues are going to return the action. Some other leagues don't have to worry about whatever the NHL would have to worry about in their timelines. So it could be some of these other leagues start on time. The players that are drafted make it held up based on what they're able to do because they're now a prospect. I don't know. There's a lot of stuff with a lot of advantages to doing in June, but it sounds like it's going to be a real fucking problem if the season isn't concluded by then. And I mean, yeah, I, I don't know how it would happen now considering they usually finish this up two weeks. The, the, Stanley Cup's handed out two weeks before the draft usually, and that's not with everything that's going on right now. So, yeah, it, uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, other other updates from the uh, from the polls. Uh, Freeman reported that the neutral site plan that we talked about last week, the idea of teams going to North Dakota to finish out their schedule and different various like remote locations. I think New Hampshire is another one. That's a no go. They are now talking about possibly. This is from Freeman and Nicholas Kotsanaka. Katsunika uh, from NHL.com. Uh, they're talking about as many as four NHL arenas that would host three games each day without fans in one of the scenarios the league is considering the finish of the season. 
So again, a little bit what we were talking about last week too, I think, that they wanted to do in just North Dakota, but now they've expanded to actual NHL cities. Uh, and I think it was supposed to be one per division would be the ideal setup. And Freeman threw out the locations of Edmonton, Minnesota, and Carolina being uh, three of the possible locations. Maybe all of them, maybe more. Edmonton said that they might uh, add some more after that. Or it might be more than just three locations. Um, and then the NHL decided against playing in non-NHL arenas at neutral sites because league arenas are best equipped to handle its needs if it decides to centralize games. Um, makes sense. And, yeah, I mean, that that absolutely makes sense. And then uh, th- this is the big quote from Batman, I think will kind of indicate where the league is in terms of starting anytime soon. Uh, he says, quote, the decision ultimately will be made by medical people and people who are in governments at all different levels. So we're not going to try and do anything that flies in the face of what we're being told is appropriate. Clearly, we can plan to the summer. Clearly, we can plan to next season, which we intend to do in its entirety, starting later. And so with a lot of timing options, we have a great deal of flexibility, and we're not going to rush anything. We're not going to do anything that's crazy. We're going to try and do something under the circumstances at the time that is sensible. So right there, if you're not hearing any updates or any new news regarding uh, quarantining and when people can start going on doing normal things again uh it probably means there's not going to be anything new with the league and when it will actually return to action in the near future because like i've pointed out in the last episode the self-quarantine deadline has been pushed back four times now and again the next deadline is next friday the 30th so if you actually think that's going to happen i mean have at it but again the league the league should just stop doing the whole deadlines for the self-quarantining it should just be your self-quarantine for the foreseeable future until we actually figure out what we're going to do but that's a whole that's a whole other thing and it sounds like they're planning on just next season starting later which i mean it, there's just a lot of stuff in the air right now obviously and i they didn't want to i thought they didn't want to push back the season at first they wanted to try and make sure that the 2020 21 season started on time and now it sounds i mean even Batman in this statement sounded like they're going to be all right with starting a little bit later. I think they can still start in November is what they envision. But, uh, but yeah, so we've switched from neutral sites holding the, the hockey tournaments to a couple of NHL cities where there's not going to be any fans and the players are probably going to be well quarantined, possibly doing it as well. So first of all, this idea, it does on the surface sound awesome. As a fan who doesn't have to be anywhere near where these arenas are and my risk personally of kept like possibly catching this, I guess like being safe. I will not argue all day long, Olympic style hockey tournaments to watch as a regular season and postseason include. I'm all about that. So from an entertainment standpoint, it sounds tremendous. It sounds like, nuts. Yeah. It especially sounds great. If they tear it right, they tear it like March madness or something where you've got like this matchup, then this matchup, then this matchup, yeah. like, You've got an entire like Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday with just like NHL madness. Like that sounds amazing. But yeah. knowing this league, they'll screw it up and they'll schedule half the games for the same time. <laughs> It'll all be seven PM starts. You know you know how life finds a way in Jurassic Park? Batman finds a way <laughs> to screw things up. So I'm sure he'll colossally screw this up. But it, it could if it's done right, this could be awesome. Yeah, if yeah, if done right, it could be. Uh, I think it was. Uh, I think it was front of the show, Greg Wyshynski, who threw out who threw out a couple years ago the idea of how he wanted, 
like the first day of the NHL postseason, he just wanted them to play midday games. So then the first day, it kind of had like an opening day feel where like you watch a game at one, then watch a game at three, and then watch a game. Like you just take the day off and pretty much day drink and then watch all these games. And we could potentially get that with this. I mean, it would be not the ideal situation to be doing it under, but it, from just watching a hockey standpoint, that would be phenomenal, I think. And hopefully it would be – and again, though, if they do this tournament – then we're still going to get into the thing that Drew Dad was talking about last week where they had the World Cup of Hockey, you know, right before the season started. And then he said that he just wasn't right for the 2016-17 season. I'm sure he's not the only one. He just happened to be somebody that voiced that opinion. Uh, but I feel like that's going to be the big issue whenever this the league returns, even if they do start later. So we could be looking at later season and then like, players running into getting worn down and I more wish. Seth Walt Andrews, yeah. I wish the league would just come out and and just embrace the idea of having a shortened season next season. Like I am perfectly fine with I mean, two shortened seasons, yeah. two cups. Uh, that that's fine with me as a fan. Now the league is looking at it from a revenue standpoint, saying, "Well, this is the X amount of sellout crowds we're not getting by not making." So yep. I, I get it from a budgetary standpoint and a revenue standpoint, but from a player standpoint, the health, the quality of the game standpoint. Yeah. You should do two shortened seasons. Yeah. It would be, uh, yeah. From our perspectives, it's, well, we've already seen shortened seasons for bullshit reasons. According to us, this is a legitimate, you know, if they have two shortened seasons right now in, you know, in history, it's makes sense to us and that's acceptable. But yeah, they're probably trying to figure out a way to save or make as much money as they can, obviously, because they're, Gotta make that money. Gotta make that green, baby. That's what uh, that's what it's all about, I guess. I don't know. All about the Benjamins, you would say. Oh, okay. Don't don't puff that at me right now. This is not the time. Although, oh man, I'm not gonna. These two artists are not alike, but they did have a major announcement today, and I gotta share it. So uh, going from Puff Daddy to uh, the insane clown clown posse uh, announced that they're canceling their uh, gathering of the Juggalos this year due to the coronavirus. This is based off a CNN article, so there, there you go. Did you really just transition into the Insane Clown Posse? Now, Did hold you on. really just transition from League News <laughs> to the Insane now, Clown Posse? I there mean, are two they both reasons. have the COVID-19 connection. They got the Technically connection. speaking, this is your fault because you mentioned Pop Daddy or Pete Diddy or Sean, Sean Diddy Combs. Or you took the loosest thread <laughs> and you knit the entire sweater out of it. Again, who gave me that threat, though? Point your finger at yourself. Now, I, I'm bringing this up, though, because of two lines I read from this article. The first you one You read being, the whole article about the gathering no, no, no. of the Juggalos being canceled due to COVID? I would say read is a loose term. Glance at words to see if I found funny stuff is a better way, too. I mean, which is reading to me, but that's this is how I got it. So the first oh, line... You absorbed much like people absorb various drugs just by being at the, the gathering of the Juggalos? Yes, this is secondhand reading is pretty much what happened here. So the first line is, they may be insane, but this is the right move. Again, I feel like you guys wow. that. I feel like that atten- that needs to be brought to attention. Also, apparently their tweet, uh, like ICP's tweet, said, quote, the bottom line is that we refuse to risk even one juggalo's life by hosting a gathering during these troubling times. So even the ICP is, understands it. There no, I can't even think about that stupid drink that they always drink. Stay but, safe, jugglers. Yeah, stay safe, jugglers. Also, 
you know there's no hand washing going on at the gap. No, absolutely not. Like, no, yeah. <laughs> there's no, none whatsoever. <laughs> no, not at all. Especially okay, with true. Purell shortage right now. Like, there's no way. <laughs> so, Steve, to tra- transition back into uh, league news. Theoretically, I would like to think that uh, the Juggalos make about uh, $40,000 uh, at their annual uh, gathering of the Juggalos or whatever. So, And ironically, $40,000, Steve, is exactly what Wayne Gretzky and Alex Ovechkin each raised uh, during their NHL 20 game that they streamed on Twitch on Wednesday. Uh, what are raising... transitions? Like, what... I'm figuring it out. I'm, I, I, I'm just showing off right now. I'm just flexing. This. Yeah, this is, uh, no, this is good. People like this. They, they're always they're emailing me. MySpace message we made, they're like, dude, your segues, you don't know shit about hockey, but these segues, flawless. So, you're just going to keep them going. DMs on <laughs> uh, yeah, it was a MySpace survey where people were talking about how my how good my uh, segues are. So, well, people, uh, are two... you, people are sending you vines where they're just <laughs> read, like they're, they're, they're re- okay. remaking them. Now, again, since you brought it up and you're the one that, uh, yeah, so. What happened to Vines? Why were Vines? Why did those get? Why did that stop happening? I thought Vines were a good medium. It shut down. But like, yeah, I mean. But I think it, we... it came back at some point or something. because oh, but... I feel like they were just uh, they could have been a bit of better uh, version of gifts, or like it'd be easier to do stuff making Vines of like hockey clips. That's mainly why I'm pissed because I feel like it, that's an easy thing to do rather than. Whatever. It doesn't matter. Uh, Alex Ovechkin and Wayne Gretzky raise a lot of money for kids. Uh, raise over $40,000 for two local charities in the process. So that is uh, that is that with the COVID updates. But I do want to go based off of That's great OV. news that they were able to do that. that they were yeah, I mean, that is. Money. And who knew that Wayne Gretzky knew how to play NHL? <laughs> Yeah, that was a that was a hell of a matchup. Not the actual NHL where he holds every record. I think, and I think the thing too is, uh, I think Ovechkin scored in like the dying seconds and then like freaked out and was like losing his mind. So apparently, it was pretty. It was actually entertaining, uh, which is, I mean, which is awesome. And uh, on top of Ovi and Gretzky, yeah, Gretzky's somehow playing video games. Uh, Ovi and Gretzky helping people out. Uh, a couple of our. Uh, Flyers personalities, I guess, because one of these isn't a Flyers player. But uh, uh, the Flyers personalities have helped out locally. Uh, and the first one we have is Kevin Hayes, of course, being the man yet again. Uh, according to Slam and Sammy, uh, Flyers owner Kevin Hayes and Angelo's Pizzeria in South Philly teamed up Tuesday to, do- to donate lunch to the hospital of the University of Pennsylvania workers in the COVID-19 against, uh, ICUs. So Kevin Hayes still doing Kevin Hayes stuff and uh, still being the man. Yeah, yeah, this is a, uh, yeah, I'll give a, uh, yeah, yeah, let's give a, a round little of round of applause to Kevin Hayes. That's great. And cannot support, cannot put this out you there enough. You can't support. Well, yes. Shut up. <laughs> Shut up. I cannot stress this enough how important it is to support your healthcare workers, uh, support the people who are out there on the front lines fighting this stuff and, and going to work every day and, having to risk its exposure to COVID and all that. Like these people are really just, it's a tremendous amount of stress they're under every day and, you know, thank them in any way you can. Yeah. No, sincerely. They're doing a lot of, uh, I hope, I know this is a dumb thing to bring up right now or even like talk about, but I hope when uh, everything is back to normal, I hope sports leagues, and I'm sure they will. I'm, I'm sure they will dedicate like pregame rituals to kind of honor 
the people that are in doing the work they are right now, like in IC units and putting their life ICU and stuff like this, putting our li- uh, lives on the line every day. So hopefully, hopefully we'll get some, they'll get some recognition when, uh, when it's all said and done. So, but yeah, they are, they are the real heroes right now and we do need them. Everybody yeah. is doing it. But uh, good on Hazy for sending, sending them some pizza and sending them Angelo's, which is, uh, you know, one of the most renowned pizzas in the city right now and uh, tough to get. So that's uh it's a hell That's of a good, yeah. right there. <laughs> yeah, just Kevin Hayes doing Kevin Hayes stuff. And then uh, on top of him, why well, I said Flyers personalities, apparently uh, Colby Cohen, the pre-game, post-game analyst who's on the show some of the time. I think he's on there a decent amount, actually. But uh, accord, apparently he has done a lot to help out uh, people in need as well, according to Katie Strang of The Athletic. Really good article. Please go read this article. Uh, Cohen and former business partner Terry Tracy linked up to help uh spread uh 10,000 face uh, like N95 uh, masks to everybody and um apparently these two were in business a couple years ago and then Colby got the job with the Flyers uh Terry reached out to him and just wanted him to start trying to figure out if there's any way they could do something to help what's going on and apparently Cohen made a bunch of calls did a a lot of work, and uh, according to Strang, quote, Cohen and Tracy put together a small group of partners who could combat not only the bureaucratic and logistical hurdles of the overseas medical supply chain, but also to navigate the complex ge- geopolitical dynamics. That group, named Cast Suppliers, recently completed its first purchase ever, a shipment of 10,000 surgical-grade FDA-approved N95 respirator masks, perhaps the most coveted item for healthcare workers in the fight to prevent COVID-19 transmission. That shipment arrived in the U.S., last week so we got kevin hayes buying pretty good pizza and a good lunch for those who are out there battling this and then colby cohen also bringing in a ton of supplies uh, top of the line n95 is supposed to be the best type of mask for this uh like the face shield that they're talking about right yeah, I think yeah. yeah so he's and, yeah. Uh, so uh, great for great on cohen for stepping up and doing that uh I, who knew he had such connections i had no clue yeah i and... didn't know either yeah let me tell you, as somebody who works in supply chain and logistics, uh, it, that is a tricky field to navigate. So, <laughs> apparently, and apparently, good he on did. you because that uh, you know it's pain in the ass. <laughs> yeah, and I, and Shang was talking about how he did. He was reaching out to other former business associates and was making sure that everything he was going to do was legitimate. Because part of the reason why he stopped working at his old company was he ran to an issue where like he bought shirts and the logos fell off and he was like, I can't, I can't have that type of situation happen right now. So he spent all this time doing all the hours of research to make sure everything he was getting was legitimate. Had to learn how to create a website to help get these masks out to people. So he did work with that. And yeah, apparently he's, he's Colby Cohen's been doing useful stuff while we're all at home quarantined. And, uh, you know, living differently. So it's nice to see uh, some flyers out there uh, fighting a good fight. I'm happy, you know, again. And speaking of making websites, Craig, do you know how easy to make a website it is on Squarespace? No, I forgot. They, they are not yet. a sponsor of ours. They, they told us, get lost, losers. <laughs> Watch the ad break I insert is going to be for Squarespace. And I, I'm going to get was, yelled at by Fox. <laughs> I was going to say, we should be getting a Squarespace and Casper here pretty soon. But I feel like we've been I, kicking the can long I'm enough. telling you, Casper, if you're listening, Squarespace, if you're listening, I will do personalized reads for you guys and i need a fucking charm bet. in there you yeah. know we'll, we'll just talk about we'll talk about how much donkey sauce you can get in a, <laughs> a casper mattress 
Just dripping yeah. with donkey sauce. Uh, Steve, this is not the kind of image we want to bring to our mattresses. We don't want, to pe- <laughs> want people to think about our mattresses dripping and oozing with fluid. Yeah, but it's donkey sauce. Yeah. If there's one fluid you want it to be, you know, decked out in, it's donkey sauce. And I think they, they'll understand that. They're they're good people. They know about Guy Fieri. Everybody they, knows. Come on. Yeah, they know about the GFDS, the Guy Fieri donkey sauce. So, uh, speaking of that, hopefully this, uh, this Swedish hockey player the Flyers are going to sign has a bunch of donkey sauce out on the ice. Uh, according to Chris Johnson, again, segue is pretty good. Hit me up on those emails. Chris Johnson of Sportsnet uh, says that the Flyers are going to be signing uh, Linus Sandin. I'm assuming it's Le- uh, Linus and not Linus because we got yelled after always saying Linus Hogberg. But And thank you for the Flyers for when it looks like Linus Hogberg is going to be gone. They bring in another guy for to keep this trend going. But that's, a, that's another point. But apparently, according to oh. Johnson... <laughs> the Hulk. Swedish forward Lena Sandin intends to sign with the Philadelphia Flyers, although it can't officially do so until the NHL finalizes, finalizes new international transfer agreements. Sandin was one of the SHL's top scorers with 19 goals for HV71 last season and had multiple NHL offers. There is a uh, the Blue Jackets just ran into an issue with actually signing a player this week. They tried to sign McCall. Gregorenko, I forgot that he was like a 2012 draft pick. Absolutely horrible. But apparently they were bringing him back, announced the deal, and then the league was like, no, you can't do that right now. So he had to have his contract voided, and now they're both like, well, he's going to sign on July 1st. So apparently I think that's what's going on here with the Flyers, too. It sounds like they are going to sign Sandine, who is a Swedish 23-year-old uh, right-winger who is six foot one, 209 pounds, shoots right, uh, he is Rasmus's brother, uh, Rasmus Sandin, on the um, on the Maple Leafs 2018 first uh, first round pick. Uh, played in I think like 15, 20 NHL games this season. Played a fair amount. Uh, Linus though, 36 points, 19 goals, 17 assists, and 51 games with HV 71 in the SHL this season. Uh, Swedish Hockey League highest level. Uh, second most points on the team and led the team with 19 goals. First, uh, if you're playing devil's advocate, it's not because HV71 was a terrible team. They finished se- uh, fifth in the 14-team SHL, so it's not like he was just cleaning up on a, on an ass team. And also, across the entire SHL, he was tied for 16th in points. Uh, only two players scored 20 goals or more this season in the SHL, and Sandine was one of six players who scored 19 or more. Uh, the two players who scored 20 or more, by the way, Brock Little, uh, who, if you actually recognize that name like I did, he played on the Olympic team back in 2018 when the NHL didn't send uh, NHL players. And, and Oscar Moeller uh, had 20, and he was a former king who was taken uh, in 2007. So there you go. Re- now we're reaching out to random names that aren't Flyers. So we might we won't be, <laughs> we won't be quarantined enough for just going to go through every random player in franchise history. Uh, third season in the SHL, point totals have gone up each season. Uh, had seven points in 42 games in 17-18, 23 uh, in 50 games in 2018-19, and then 36 points in 51 games this season. Um, the only concerns I really are not concerns, but the goal totals that they point to. The only reason why I'm a little hesitant is because he scored this season. He scored 19 goals on 86 shots, so he shot 22.1 percent this this year in a league that is a couple leagues removed from the NHL for being the best in the world. So that's, I guess, why I wouldn't be losing my mind over signing him just for goals yet. Uh, again, was, is what you're telling me. 
Yeah, don't listen to anything I'm saying. Tied for third in goals, but again, tied for 58th in shots. So that doesn't really rub me the right way. And then last season, he had 16 goals on 88 shots. So he shot 18.18%. And again, uh, high PDOs too. SHL tracks that and puts on their website. He had a 105.2 PDO this season, 102, 100.2 last season. Again, PDO is the combination of Shooting percentage and save percentage, it's a loose barometer to see if you're getting lucky or not. So pretty much 105.2, he, that season is going to happen again for him. They, he got pretty lucky this year. But he is also not getting a ton of ice time. He is getting the fifth and sixth most uh, average ice times uh, among the forwards on his team. Uh, HV71 this year and Robo last year. Going back to the goals real quick, though, and 19 is a decent amount in 51 games, but also um, that doesn't mean he's going to come over here and get like 15 to 20 goals next year. He could, but he, it's not a guarantee because Pierre-Edouard Belmar was also a free agent signing from the SHL, um, and he came over after a 20-goal season in the SHL, and I think you guys all remember how he did in terms of scoring. It had flashes of potential, had some really nice goals, like really nice wristers that went in, but again, I, I don't I think he. I don't think he cracked more than like eight that season. I don't even know. Yeah, there's no but, way to tell. Yeah, we'll never know. We'll die not knowing. Uh, but he, so him being here, being a right winger, uh, and it seems like he would probably be coming over to play on the NHL roster. I don't know if he want to move from the SHL to just play in the AHL, but it could happen. But if he is going to bow for a spot next year. I think he might be taking Tyler Pitlick's spot, and that's just based off the fact he is playing on the right wing. If you look at the forward core, uh, only Pitlick, Nate Thompson, and Derek Grant are coming off the books next season. Uh, NAK is an RFA. Lawton and Ralph Leach have a year left, so maybe they trade one of those two guys away at this draft that will be happening in the middle of the season or in the summer. Uh, so I don't think any of the I don't think NAK, Lawton, or Ralph are going to be gone uh, this offseason. I think Thompson and Grant probably are. But I think those spots are going to be filled with Farabee and Frost. And so if Sandin's going to come in and he's a right winger who will probably play in the bottom six, I don't think that's good news for Tyler Pitlick. Again, losing Tyler Pitlick, I mean, after the way he played this year, I, I would be more upset losing Tyler Pitlick than I think I would have been going into the season. Again, though, we're talking about a bottom six guy that if he's gone and he is the one major change for the team, I'm not going to lose sleep over it. And we we don't even know how well of a player Sandina is. I mean, again, these are all of his, you know, all the stats they threw out there. Uh, there's a couple of highlights of him on YouTube, but we don't actually, we haven't actually seen him in game action. He could fill in for Pitlick and I'll probably save the Flyers a little bit of money, which they've gotten to the point where they got to worry about pinching pennies on the, on the salary cap and everything. But, uh, Looking uh, not too much of a size difference between the two. Uh, Pitlick is six foot two, two hundred, and Sandin is six foot one, two hundred nine. And Pitlick made a million this year. Uh, if he comes back, he might get a little bit of a raise because he did play so well. Sandin's ELC uh, would probably be cheaper than what Pitlick is asking for in a raise. So I think that's why this move would be done. And I think I would be all right with it. I, well, I he mean, he needs a lot of money to run Pitlick's barbecue pit. Pitlick's the pit licker is that what it's called yeah look at yeah well i mean uh yeah that's fair and also he might just come over and be doing that so they might resign pitlick and then there's gonna have sandine be in charge of the barbecue pit 
So that might be what's going on. You don't want a guy with a sand based name in charge of food. That is true. Yeah, it's gonna get all it's gonna get all sandy. I will say I would miss Pitlick's speed. I think that'd be the biggest thing. Speed and forechecking are what Pitlick does well. Pitlick's been a lot better than I expected this Oh, year. I absolutely. He's gonna be trash, but he he's been a pleasant surprise, and especially in the past few weeks before all this happened, he was playing really well. Yeah. Yeah, he he was, and I think, I think when it comes to Sandine, one of the upsides is he has. It looks like if you look at his history of uh, scoring in the SHL and other leagues, more of a scoring touch and ability to produce offense than Pitlick ever did. Pitlick, at all levels, was never a big uh, point producer, uh, even when he was in his one year in college, and then also uh, in the I think the WHL is where he played for a year, but like not. No astronomical numbers, astronomical numbers anywhere, but um, Sandine's been able to put up points in a, a couple different leagues. So I, again, maybe it just it might be saving a little bit of money, and also maybe a little more offensive upside in the bottom six. So I'm for it. I'm about it, and uh, that's what I gotta say about uh, Lena Sandian. Lina Sandian. Leave my pits alone. <laughs> All right. <laughs> just. <laughs> Uh, do you want to? What's, what's with this mullet guy behind Mike Vrabel on the Titans? I know. I just saw that. The I don't know what's guy going on. And Mike the guy Vrabel's in like house. The, the like superhero costume. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> By the way, we're on pick thirty, so uh, we might Ooh, be uh, getting close down yeah, the line. We, we don't have any topics left. Uh, we really don't. <laughs> <laughs> so let's see how this goes. But I thought one subject. This is just the whole. This is a whole mess of topics right here. But. Talking a lot about random flyers over the last, yeah, since we've been quarantined, and also because this is yeah, hyperbole. What did we talk about? We talked about f- f- favorite flyers, goals of all time. We talked about best uh, non-flyers, flyers like guys that should be on the flyers and who yeah, could be the on the flyers. On this week's fuck, ten under quarantine with Bill Matz. By the way, Bill joined us, a rare guest with Craig no, and I. We don't do often. We don't do often. <laughs> uh, ten worst flyers of the last decade too that one as well it's a good one uh but so we've been talking about random random ass dudes and uh from the show i uh, listened to the show drewski uh, at drewski 0806 felt like uh we were leaving out some names uh, for me this is just a little bit these guys were just a little bit before my time so he uh, said obviously showing my age but feels like terry karkner and kevin holler are lacking on the mentions those are pretty random fly guys they are i know very minimal about each Obviously, I mean, see if you're looking at the outline, I don't know these fucking stats from beforehand. But what I knew about Karkner was he was just big and it sounded like he was just like a, a big mean dude. And I remember his, apparently his third cousin, Matt Karkner, playing on the Islanders and Sens, and he was pretty much the same thing. He was big, slow, and just would punch people in the face. Uh, Karkner, in July of 1988, was traded to Philadelphia for D-man Greg Smith. We all remember Greg Smith. And third-round pick in uh, 1989, he scored 132 points and had 867 pims. In 376 games, 867 penalty minutes in 376 NHL games is, is something <laughs> with the Flyers from 88, 89 to 92, 93. Yeah, that's a spicy meatball right there. And then 230 points in uh, 1,588 pims in 858 games over 13 seasons with the Flyers, Nordiques, Rangers, Panthers, and Red Wings. Steve, do you remember anything about this guy? Uh, again, like you, a little before my time. Great name, uh, Terry Carter. Yeah, that's a good. Yeah. It feels like a name you would make up for a shutdown 
physical like defenseman is a good it fits him well um kevin holler the only thing i knew about him was he scored i i know he scored an overtime goal for the flyers in the playoffs and then i found out it was the scored 25 seconds into overtime of game two of the flyers 1995 eastern conference semifinals against the rangers which ended up being the flyers most recent sweep so again 1995 eastern conference semifinals Flyers' most recent sweep, and uh, Kevin Holler had a hand in it, apparently. Uh, I Kevin definitely Holler... have hockey cards for both these guys somewhere. In my life. Like, <laughs> probably, no lie. Yeah. There probably is. Yeah, somewhere, yeah, somewhere back in Maryland, in my mom's house in the garage, there's probably these guys somewhere in my hockey cards, too. Yeah, because these are some good names. These are some pretty good hockey names here. Uh, June of 1994, though, he was traded f- uh, to the Flyers for Yves Racine. I think that's how you say that name. I've seen that name a bunch. I've never actually heard it pronounced. And then left the Flyers because he was part of the Paul Coffey trade. Uh, December of 1996, Coffey and uh, a third-round pick from the Whalers in 1997. You think that's easy? Yeah, it's easy Racine. Yeah, easy Racine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was just on Kanye's last album, yeah. Yeah, exactly. (laughs) Uh, Paul Coffey. And uh, Harford's third-round pick in the 1997 draft came to the Flyers in exchange for Holler, a first-round pick in 1997. The Flyers' first-round pick in 1997, that, that became uh, Scott Hannon, a longtime defenseman for the Sharks, uh, and then uh, seventh in 1997. Uh, Holler had 29 points, seven of, which, seven of which were goals, in 132 games for the Flyers from 1994-95 to 1996-97. Uh, and that doesn't include his overtime winner. Also at 138 points in 642 games over 13 seasons with the Flyers, Sabres, Canadians, Ducks, Islanders, Whalers, and Hurricanes. So there, that's uh, there you go, Drew. There's some old ass Flyers that we <laughs> didn't call out because they're a little bit before time. No good names, though. Good names, yeah, for sure. no good names. No, yeah. Because I know if oh. there is so uh, a feature, I'll continue until we get hockey back. If you would like a a random flyer that you adore shout out shout it out that we don't usually talk about please add us on twitter it's a oh yeah bad for the love of god do that so we'll have something else to talk about so do that uh and then we talked about like we just alluded to uh steve steve and i with bill went over uh former and current nhl players that have never played a game for the flyers but really feels like they should have so i said i was going with the uh, most flyerish non-flyers, flyers that never were, you know, shit like that. So we did pretty well. And then one name that I know we all forgot, and people automatically tweeted us, uh, Jerome McGinley. I thought about him the day before we recorded. Apparently, you had him on your list, and so did Bill. So well, he was, was somebody that like I, we. I almost do. last minute added him to my list because I was actively looking through like older NHL rosters, like right before we recorded and while we were recording. And again, was a guy I looked at and I came very close to mentioning him right there. And then and yeah. I wish I had, cause he, I, I do think he was a, a flyerish non flyer and I'm shocked. They didn't get him in like his last two seasons. Yeah. To, I, to be considering terrible, like Adam Otes performance. <laughs> considering Holmgren, that was the phase when Holmgren had already made the big trade and started looking like he was losing his mind in the GM seat was when I believe again, I got traded to the penguins in 2013. So that would have been like, so Holmgren definitely could have just added again for fun. But I think Jerome McGinley is the best example of 
like the that this exercise, but he's a player that never played for the Flyers, and it's only all positive reasoning behind why it feels like he should have been on the Flyers, if that makes sense. Like you know how we were talking about everybody else was either a little dirty, a little cheap, physical, would be the shell of guys, or like yeah. any they're like all these, yeah. Again, like it's just somebody solid two way player, wasn't afraid to drop the gloves, great leader, great goal scorer. Like everything that could have been that has a Flyers label to it. It was all positive when it came to again, like nothing negative. Not the same for another really good name that uh, a friend of the show, Justin Kent, uh, threw out there. And I'm going to read his tweet because I, I like the, the slur that he called us. How can you nerds forget the greatest non-flyer? And then he used uh, six periods in his ellipses. So there you go, Kirk. I love that. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's great that he, he, number one, called us nerds, which I always appreciate. Yeah. I really do. I, I love oh, yeah, no, you. I know. I do, too. Yeah. nerds. Nerds and dorks. Yeah, go ahead. Finish yeah. fire away all day. But Steve Ott. Steve Ott, I can see, I mean, he should have been somebody that came to my mind, like, immediately when we were doing this, this exercise. Steve Ott is just another version of Ronaldo, pretty much. Mr. Brag about his face-offs. Yeah, I was going to say, and he even had that clip with fucking 24-7 where he was trying to get into it with Laviolette. <laughs> And the yeah, and the yelling at Drew, like that was a name we should have. I'm upset we didn't think of Steve Ott, but Steve Ott is a really good answer. Also, just I can't stand his face. Uh, seems yeah, just a lot of stuff with Steve Ott. Did a lot of stupid shit. The narrative was bigger for him than his actual ability to produce on the ice. A lot of things just surrounded why Steve Ott would have been a funny. Would have made sense as a former Flyers. So we talked about, we brought up John Kalinske last week because he was part of the Pavel Kabina trade. Yes, yes, the infamous John Kalinske, yes. Not and we, for, <laughs> we, I think we'll miss a going opportunity because we mentioned the office about 30 times an episode. Uh, John Kalinske and John Krasinski. We missed the perfect reference to that. And I thought that I, I want a compilation of when John Kalinske was on the team and bad things happened and he was actually on the team, like on the, on the ice for just a compilation of the camera cutting at his face. And it just gives like an awkward smirk. And that's, that's what that, that is the, so I thought of that terrible joke last week, right after the episode ended and I wrote it down and I, I saved it for the, so was it good is what I'm asking. Was that a good joke? Was it worth, <laughs> it, it would have been good. It worth it been good six yeah. and a half days of waiting. Okay. I mean, okay, it, you right. could have called him big tuna also. And that would have been good. Oh God. Yeah. Big yeah. Tuna. You know, retroactively, retroactively, all the John Kalinske jokes are there for us to make now. So I guess we'll have to, we'll have to sit down and iron those out one time. Uh, another interesting point, and because we got nothing, uh, pro, <laughs> our <laughs> listener of the show, uh, Orange Nation, at Orange Nation, I don't know why I named himself that, uh, pointed out that uh, Proveroff, Ivan Proveroff and Matt Carl have almost identical stats, so uh, playing the same number of games for the Flyers. Uh, Carl, uh, what was it? Carl had 137 points, 15 goals, 122 assists, and 308 games for the Flyers. Provorov has 133 points, 43 goals, 90 assists, and 315 games. So, uh, Carl, a couple more points, playing a couple less games, and I can't think, to me, I can't think of a better situation where the numbers are just misleading. (laughs) (laughs) They are, but at the same time, like, I I mean, obviously they play very different roles on the team. And yeah, defense, yeah, yeah. it's very like they're different kind of defensemen too entirely. But you know, I, 
I, I, some people think this is like the worst thing. I, I don't know if that's the worst thing. Oh I, no, I don't. No, 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 no. Yeah. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not taking this. This is more like a. This is irony to me. This isn't like a. Well, we got to start worrying about Provorov. <laughs> this is a. This got me into looking into why why it happened. And I think a lot of it is just we got to remember Matt Carl played on some pretty damn good teams. And I went back and I was looking at his line mates uh, from 2009, the 2009 2010 season to his last season here. The most amount of ice time, the three defensive partners were Pronger, he played with the most, Andre Mazaris was second, and Coburn was third. Do you remember Pro Ralph's whole rookie season when he was saddled with Andrew fucking McDonald? <laughs> so, like, that, so that's a pretty good example right there. Also, Provorov, uh, I mean, Carl is was working on the power play of uh, some pretty loaded teams back then, and Provorov is not quite as productive on the power play. Carl had 10 even-strength goals and 36 power play points. Provorov has 34 even-strength goals, 28 power play points. Uh, and then, um, yeah, I mean, that's all I got to say. We can talk about the Matt Carl trade, too. He was traded back in November of 2008 with the third-round pick. Uh, in 2009, uh, which turned out to be uh, Simone Burleson, who don't—he's not—he's not worth it. You don't need to go look him up. Uh, for Steve Eminger, Steve Eminger, Steve Downey, and a th- 2009 fourth, which became Alex Hutchings. So there you go, another random little uh, tidbit. The only thing—where do you land on Matt Carl? I didn't really hate Matt Carl. I was Matt just Carl fine with Matt Carl. I always yeah. thought he was good. I thought he got uh, a bad rap, and I will yeah, say he drove some people fucking insane. Yes. So that's the thing is he did. He had a plays that would just drive me nuts. And I remember one of them. It may have been his last driving insane play in Philly. It was a game late in March against the Lightning, ironically. Uh, Flyers are down 3-2 in the third. And he went behind the net. I put a link in the outline, Steve, and I'll try and tweet this out tomorrow. But he went behind the net and nobody's around him. Swung out to the right corner with the puck and then came back behind Briz and the net with nobody around him and just kind of fumbled it out into the slot. And then a, a bolt picked it up and just dunked it on Briscoff because he wasn't paying attention because who would have thought an NHL defenseman was going to lose the puck there. So I was at that game and that feels like a play that a lot, like those types of plays probably stick out in people's minds when they think of Matt Carl, instead of him being a, a fine puck moving defenseman that, you know, maybe was always the second best defenseman on his pairing, but uh, usually got the job done. Wasn't too physical, but I thought was pretty. I thought was fine. Yeah, yeah. Definitely. So that's and where I stood on that call. I agree with that assessment, and I, I think there are certain guys that, for whatever reason, their worst plays are what stick with people, and he was one of those oh, yeah. guys. Yeah, and I think that's the problem that a lot of defensemen run in the Philly, or with a lot of Philly defensemen run into with with fans is. If they don't, if they aren't going to throw big bone crunching hits and they don't light the lamp a lot, it's going to be hard to make plays that kind of like implement or let fit like that fans kind of glom to and know that they're really a good defenseman, I guess, if that makes sense. No, this I don't is know one of the that... things we discussed with Bill earlier this week where yeah. there's certain guys that just aren't good. I think it was when we talked about Latang and if he, yeah, yeah. you yeah. know, would have been a popular flyer and it would have been, and I, I, I kind of argued it would have been like chemo team. And, uh, you know, that's in the alternate universe where Chris Letang's a flyer, which is a weird universe for sure. But <laughs> the thing is like chemo team had his haters and chemo team was one of the best flyers defensemen I can remember. And yeah. some people thought he was terrible because they didn't notice him doing anything in particular. And 
a lot of defensemen, especially in Philadelphia, really have to toe the line between uh, not being noticed, where I frankly think if I'm not noticing a defenseman, they're doing a great job for the most part. Yeah, that's usually the old rule. Yeah, I agree with that, yeah. But and... it's, yeah, it, I mean, Carl's one of those guys that when, when he fucked up, it was big and it was loud and there was not much you could really yeah. do Yeah, that, yeah, that's the whole thing. It was just like, usually inexcusable errors and then he wasn't canceling that out with like a bone crunching hit or like talking shit after whistle it was just kind of i fucked up their old score goal in like four games or he didn't even have like the shane ghost despair slap shot where it's like yeah at least when like ghost is exciting he's super exciting and you can forgive those errors when his his offense is showing like matt carl would have a lot of assists and then that gaff <laughs> yeah so that uh so yeah, that's... he would be Helpful to Chris Pronger on their pairing. Woohoo. <laughs> like, he, he was basically like Pronger's assistant, essentially. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> assistant to the Chris Pronger. Oh, uh, shit. Yeah. So that's, uh, so yeah, that's Matt Carl and uh, Ivan Provorov. That was that comparison. So I'm not freaking out about it. I would take Ivan Provorov every day. Uh, and I don't think. I don't think we should try and make that anything bigger than it, but it is, it is something funny that orange nation picked up on. So I, I like that a lot. Um, one other minor hockey thing I want to talk about besides maybe the greatest thing we're ever going to talk about on this podcast. I don't want to build it up too much. <laughs> I don't know if you've looked, read the rest of that article. Steve, I but, am excited. Yeah, it's pretty good. This I don't know what it is, but I'm excited. Uh, according to the athletics, Corey Mazasak, I hope I'm saying that right too. Uh, the devil say massive. Never mind. Oh no! Don't don't make I don't yeah <laughs> don't I know where you're going with that. <laughs> the pointed out that the uh, the Devils' uh, head, head co- search for a head coach has begun, uh, despite Tom. Good time. Yeah, I was going to say right now, and also even before the the quarantine situation, uh, the Devils were in a weird position because not only is Elaine Nazardine an interim head coach, their GM, Tom Fitzgerald, is also an interim GM. So in theory, you'd want to find the GM first, I think, before you find the coach, considering the GM always gets one like one coach is usually the old is the old routine. Uh, the GM gets hired. Everybody gets guy. one. Everybody gets one. Yeah, the old Spider-Man role applies to right. That was Spider-Man, right? I think so. Okay, you think so? <laughs> I, shut up I, I don't know everything I, i'm sorry i thought that was yeah never mind uh but the uh so apparently the devils it's not guaranteed that nazardine is the guy and apparently they've been talking to gerard gallant according to assasak and also points out how bruce Boudreau, peter laviolette and mike backpack have recently become available we I threw that out there the when we talked about laviolette fuck right off yeah if they get gerard gallant out of this this is what that's why i'm talking about now because i don't want um gallant's one of the names i'm actually worried about because i thought the way it ended in florida i think that was just a weird management team at the time it was very analytics based and then it there was a risk between uh part of like the front office there that wanted to delve deeper in the analytics and part of it that wanted to hold, hold further back. And then Gallant just kind of got caught in the middle of that. And you remember him getting fired and then him giving a cab, he had to get a cab back to the hotel and all that kind of shit. So, Oh, you don't forget that. Yeah. Yeah. So that was, I think he was just the, the Panthers were just a mess then. And then I don't know the, he didn't get saves this year. And that's why the Golden Knights fired him again. Quick NFL office update, by the way, really enjoying Andy Reed's, uh, 
setup where he's got his Hawaiian shirt, his exercise bike next to the desk, and a projector. Like, Andy Reid looks crammed into this room, and I love it. I do love the Hawaiian shirts, though. I really do appreciate that. It's funny to me. So they fit him. Who did they? Uh, did they take this guy? The LSU running back. Uh, it's being announced right now. Oh, okay. I'm looking into Roger Goodell's dead eyes. <laughs> he's, he's had a lonely light, lonely night of not being booed or hugged by uh, ginormous freaks that are about to play in the NFL. So he doesn't have yes. to do it. He said yeah. he missed it. He missed yeah. it. He broken. <laughs> uh, yes, they they picked the LSU running back. All right. Edwards, yeah, that's okay. Um, and we officially have not beaten out the first round yeah. of the NFL draft. <laughs> going, going back. In our, but by the way, again, we gave them quite a head start. And if we had started earlier, we would have, we would have won the race. But we, we did not. Alas, alas. <laughs> um, where was? Oh, okay. Also, they were talking about hiring a GM, and this is a name I want to be against them. Potentially hiring. Uh, New Jersey has interviewed one outside candidate for the GM job, Mike Gillis, who ran the Canucks from 2008 to 2014. While it makes sense to expect the Devils to make a decision on the GM role first, the market is different for each position right now. So, Mike Gillis, uh, if people don't forget, he was the GM of the Canucks during 2010-11 when they had the run, like probably the best team in franchise history, and went to Game Seven against the Bruins. And his drafting wasn't great. Which again, he was the author of that team that went to 2010 uh, to the Cup in 2011. But a lot of the pieces are already there, and I know he had the draft later in the draft because of how well those Canucks teams were. But let me talk about who how his drafting actually went down because it kind of feels like his tenure is a little bit like Holmgren-esque when you look at how well the drafting panned out. So 2008, his first round pick was Cody Hodgson, and then they also drafted a guy named Jan Suave who. Yeah, you don't know him, but he technically played in the NHL. 2009, their first round right. pick was Jordan Schroeder, and then they also took Kevin Connaughton with the third round pick, who was still, I think, still kicking around the league. 2010, no first, they no players came through. 2011, they picked uh, Nicholas Jensen in the first round, not the one that's on the Caps. He was a forward that's not in the league anymore. And they also got Frank Corrado in the fifth round, who was a guy that was put on waivers and at least picked him up, I think, two years ago now. 2012, Brandon Gounts in the first round, and then Ben Hutton in the fifth. Ben Hutton, who is now still an NHL regular. And in 2013, he actually hit on Bo Horvat. However, he needed to trade Corey Schneider to the Devils to get Bo Horvat. And then also he traded Roberto Luongo to the Panthers for Jacob Markstrom and Sean Mathias a couple months before he was let go. So he essentially got Bo Horvat at the price of Schneider and long ago was pretty much what it came down to so not the best draft history and the devils aren't exactly in a position to compete right now so i kind of want this guy to come in and start picking out who should be playing like in the organization i think i'll be a big fan of that he and going back and looking at it i was trying to remember if mike gillis was liked or hated by canucks fans and uh i thought he was hated and going back and looking online and it seems like canucks fans still aren't they haven't come around on him. They haven't really forgiven him, I guess. So, uh, yeah, hopefully the Devils choose this guy. That's what. Uh, that's where I'm going with that. Steve? I just hope the Devils have a thousand years of pain and misery. Yeah, no, I do too. And hope, I mean, I'm going to be honest, sounds pretty good right now. Sounds like they might hire a coach for a GM, which is always a strong move. It's a good idea. I, Steve, do you want to do this next topic? 
I, I guess so. Because uh, I, I was literally just going to read. I'm just looking at it now. So I was going to read the article. The article was f- four paragraphs, and I was trying to pick out what I wanted to talk about. But goddamn, it is all. Yeah. I'm I, excited. Now, yeah. now that I know what it is, I am. <laughs> all right. So do you want me to do a dramatic reading of this? So that what's, what's going uh, on if here? you feel the need to do dramatic, yeah. Yeah, sure. <clears throat> I think so. Uh, so the headline on this article that Craig has linked to, and w- did Ian supply this? Of course, Ian did. Yeah, Ian, friend of the show. Yeah, Ian, Ian sent Craig's this brother. to me. He decided, show, <laughs> yeah, literal, yeah, one of the few actual friends of the show. He decided to send this in at about nine nineteen, like right before we decided to get on here. So if it did not Hot come through tonight, goddamn presses, it was gonna be pushed back to like next week. But I'm glad he got it in under the wire. This, uh, this episode and then uh, we can it's just a phenomenal little tidbit so yeah Steve go ahead whenever you are ready <laughs> the headline is Eddie Van Halen once put a gun to Fred Durst's head according to new book boom that is uh, that's a that's a drop right there that's a big news bomb that's a woge bomb picture, the picture with it is Eddie Van Halen looking uh, mischievously at, at the camera as he vapes <laughs> Which is a whole other topic. <laughs> I got this. From- and this is on. Yeah. This yeah. this is on stereo gum. Uh, Eddie Van Halen allegedly once put a gun up to Fred Durst's head per an anecdote that's told in the new coffee table book, Eruption in the Canyon, 212 Days and Nights with the Genius of Eddie Van Halen. And as first reported by Ultimate Classic Rock, the book was made by Andrew Bennett who spent a few years in the mid-2000s filming Van Halen in their studio. The account begins when Van Halen and Durst were introduced at a party shortly after guitarist Wes Borland left Limp Bizkit. Yes, guys, we're we're talking about Limp Bizkit. <laughs> we're Limp Bizkit. We are a couple weeks in this party. We love how shitty Limp Bizkit is. It is just, <laughs> we're, we're both from that era where they were popular, and I will never forgive the world for making Limp Bizkit popular. Yeah, it was a strange time. It may be... What you gotta do? <laughs> it was a very strange time. <laughs> at a record label executive's behest, they got together at a house in Beverly Hills to rehearse together. But Van Halen split after people began smoking weed and left the equipment that he had brought behind. Ugh, wait, so Eddie Van Halen left because people were smoking weed? Yeah. That doesn't sound right. That doesn't sound, that yeah. doesn't sound you right. You know those classic rock stars who just don't want to partake in drugs, so it's understandable. Let's move along. Uh, you know those members of Van Halen. <laughs> yeah, noted. Maybe he was sober yeah. at the time. I'm not yeah, sure. Knows, but, yeah. uh, the next day, Van Halen tried to get his gear back from Durst, and after not hearing from him for a day, apparently showed up to the Beverly Hills house in an assault vehicle that, per Bennett, had a shine gun mount on the back and is not legal. So that's a wow. Eddie drove that assault vehicle through LA into Beverly Hills and then parked and left it running on the front lawn of the house Limp Biscuit was rehearsing in, Bennett wrote. He got out wearing no shirt, his hair in a samurai bun on top of his head, his jeans held up with a strand of rope and combat boots held together by duct tape, and he had a gun in his hand. That asshole answered the door Bennett said, Van Halen said, I put my gun to that stupid fucking red hat of his. And I'm, I'm glad Durst was wearing the <laughs> stupid fucking red Yankees hat at the time. And I said, where's my shit, motherfucker? That fucking guy just turned to one of his employees and starts yelling at him to grab my shit. 
Eddie Van Halen stood on the front lawn of a residential home in Beverly Hills in broad daylight, smoking a cigarette while holding a gun on Fred Durst as he went back and forth from the house to the assault vehicle, lugging amps and guitars. I haven't heard a really good, like, rock story in a while. In a minute. So this... This build that God. God. That, that is fucking psychotic. That, that is, is psychotic. insane. Yeah, that is a, just insanity insane thing. Right there. Yeah. I just, yeah. And the fact that it happened to Fred Durst, which is just, who, you know, directed the greatest movie of all time with John Travolta, uh, produced <laughs> one of the greatest albums of all time. Uh, what was it? Chocolate was, Starfish uh, and... Uh, Chocolate Starfish and the Hot Dog Flavored Water. Yeah. yeah. What, a, what a great album title. Yes, it was great. What a man. Yeah. Uh, okay, Craig, I'm going to give you the opportunity... I will read that last paragraph one more time in the voice of your choosing. <laughs> My choosing. Uh, I mean, I guess we're going to go with Doc, don't we? Right. That'll be the choice, yeah, for this podcast, yeah. That asshole answered the door. I put my gun to the stupid fucking red hat of his, and I said, Where's my shit, motherfucker? That fucking guy just turned to one of his employees and starts yelling at him to grab my shit. Oh my god. I, I can't even read the rest. That, that was all worth it. I just like picturing that uh that crazy ass vehicle going up the Durst house and then just not uh, camera going. Then drive and then the and drive then, yeah. with his assault vehicle. Yeah. <laughs> that's that's it. You know, Doc, Eddie Van Halen, he stood on the front lawn of the residential home in Beverly Hills in broad daylight. He was smoking a cigarette Pierre. while holding a gun on Fred Durst. He also had a great time back in the little leagues up in Manitoba. I was gonna say Pierre would just be talking about like Van Halen's like demo tapes, like what they were before any of the records came out, like the founding. You know, Eddie oh, yeah. Van Halen played guitar back in midget hockey, and the kids <laughs> loved it. Just a phenomenal. This is just the most ridiculous story I think I've ever heard. Is... Just a timeline where apparently Eddie Van Halen and Limp Biscuit like were talking to each other at one time. Yeah, so and that it ended like this. And then it ended like this. Yeah, it's just fucking bonkers but i thought we need to get that out there for the people we, we need to get that time. out there and on that note uh make the flyer skull song and talk about love again oh yeah that is true the, the hey, hey, hey 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 yes that that one i'm fine with that one that's the one i want and also if they do bring back Pearl oh, Hammer. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite van halen thing have you ever heard the the uh the vocals to run in with the devil but without any of the music or anything just the isolated vocals no i have not but i can imagine they they are i will send you a link to that terrifying i they're fantastic all right no i can't picture that but i can uh i can imagine recording that song must have been weird so i can see this the some of his parts must have been yeah i want to see that shit so send it all over Around the league. Around the league. Also, Ruffman only makes me think of. Uh, go ahead and watch a little Nikki. It's been a couple years since we all. Oh my God. So there you go. Around the league. Running around the league. Yes, I am. <laughs> Greg. Uh, he won't be running. Well, I, I can't work a segue. Anyway, Dustin Buffum, the Jets have agreed to mutually terminate his contract. He's not running anyway. He skates when he plays. Uh, he becomes a free agent. 35-year-old defenseman did not play a game this season and played in 42 games. Last season, the Blue Jackets have locked up their goaltending tandem for the next two years. Uh, Junis Corpusalo is here for two more years with the cap at 2.8 mil. And Elvis Merzlikens uh, is here for two more years, cap hit of 4 million. Uh, both locked Welcome up through the, the working week, Junis and Elvis. <laughs> both locked up through 2021, 22, and then also, Allison will be happy. 
going back to uh, Greg Aranko, like I said before, uh, apparently he is going to sign a one-year, $1.2 million deal with the Blue Jackets on July 1st. Uh, Keith Line has come out and pretty much had a said with a lot of confidence. It sounds like they're still going to sign him. Uh, again, the deal on Monday got voided because apparently the contract was, quote, a misunderstanding with regards to the filing window, end quote. I believe that is what uh, applies to Sandine, too, so that's why he isn't with the Flyers yet. Uh, winger Mackenzie McEachern stays in St. Louis for two more years, 900K cap hit. Uh, Nicholas Roy staying with the Golden Knights for two more years, 750K cap hit a season. And then last but not least, the NWHL is adding a team in Toronto for the 2020-2021 season. The league will be up to six teams. Toronto, who does not yet have a name, the Boston Pride, the Buffalo Buttes, the Connecticut Whale, the Metropolitan Riveters, and the Minnesota Whitecaps. So that, that Buffalo is, Buttes name, that is that's that is a thing of wonder right there. <laughs> it works on a lot of fronts because Butte is I love a, it. yeah, I like to their jerseys are pretty uh going with a like a baby blue, it's a it's a pretty decent jersey too. So that Give is me the Philadelphia pile drivers right now. What's this now? Give me the Philadelphia pile drivers. Yeah, I was right gonna now. say I don't know why I mean I feel like Philly would absolutely eat an NWHL team up. Like are you, with our website, we wouldn't be all over the NWHL. Well, how's that not happened yet? Yeah. But, yeah, it'd be all over. Yeah. Well, that, that's around the league. That's all I got. And, uh, yeah, go ahead. Let's wrap this shit yep. up. Oh, wow. Well, guys, that has been another quarantine podcast from us. Not not Fly Purple Under Quarantine, our show that we do early in the week where we focus not on one two topics. Another plug for a show. Yeah, we did not fuck tonight. And, uh, no fucking tonight. Yeah, no, just fucking around on stuff. <laughs> uh, we did one earlier this week, though. It was uh, really nice to have Bill on. Great guest and uh, had some good discussion. And we might be doing a follow-up to that one very soon. So keep an eye out for that. Keep an eye out for that. But uh, you can follow Craig on Twitter. That's the best place to give us any kind of feedback or whatever. Craig is sports are bad. Yep. Follow me on Twitter and don't follow me in real life. I had that article come out no stalking, yeah no stalking just keep well you got to keep your distance right now yeah social distance yeah so stalk me when everything's starting to go back to normalcy but uh, i had the article stalking about... through binoculars thank you <laughs> the, the article about the flyers almost messing up a 3-0 series lead but then winning that game and what the alternate timelines could have been for the flyers and islanders and tomorrow i'm actually tomorrow now i'm just gonna write it i'm gonna do right up on sandine and see if i can find more highlights or a little bit more of a scouting report on them and have that up on the website, I still do have that the luckiest and unluckiest shooters coming up that'll probably be out on Monday or Tuesday now. So that's what I got. Uh, that's what I got working. Oh wow! All right, you can reach uh, me at Estebaum or Fly Purpley, but make it Fly Purpley for all of your hockey needs. Uh, before, be sure to follow BSH Radio and Broad Street Hockey as well. Be sure to rate, subscribe, listen, all of that great stuff on whatever podcast service you like. And that is that folks but thank you so much for sticking with us right now i know there is no hockey news to talk about basically but we're out here podcasting and we're doing it because people listen and people enjoy the show so we really appreciate everything folks. i too and enjoy the show i just want to say that i too enjoy fly parabola i don't know how steve feels about it but i listen to it every i listen to every episode i've listened to every episode multiple times so <laughs> i i better like it Ah. <laughs> <laughs> uh. That's all we got, folks. Thanks so much for listening. And until next time, in the words of the great Gene Hart, good night and good hockey. Wow, your hands. Wow, your hands. Wow, wow, wow.
It's the final world down. Wow, wow. Hello, everybody. This is Fly Purbly. It is a podcast about hockey, mostly the Flyers, but also other hockey things. Like, like other hockey teams that play the sport of hockey. Steve, but not Steve Hartnell. And Craig, but not Craig Ruby. No, this isn't all those hockey guys. These are the guys who watch the hockey sport. Yeah! Flop over me. Flop over me. Flop over me.